Well, welcome back to Deep in Christ. This week, we're going to continue our discussion of the call to holiness that we all share as Christians, but particularly the different aspects of that call, how we instantiate it, how we build it into our daily life. Join us here in a moment on Deep in Christ. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network. And uh, again, our, our topic today is going a little bit deeper in this call to holiness. How do we actually begin to instantiate uh, that life of Christ in our life? And I'm joined again by my good friend and colleague, Ken Hensley. Ken, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you, John Mark. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for joining me, and thanks for our discussion last week. I, I really enjoyed that, and I hope people did too. We're uh, we're still getting started on this on this new show, uh, and this is sort of a, a part two of this discussion about uh, about again about the call to holiness and the the overall topic of this show. I mean, it's it's deep in Christ. It's about life in Christ. Um, with an eye toward the practical, an eye toward what difference does the gospel make in my schedule, in my work, in my money, you know, in uh, how I go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. What does that really look like? How does the gospel translate into what I do and what I say and what I think? That's what our discussion is about. And so, to, to build on what we were talking about last week, um, I, this week I wanted to to dig into another section of the catechism. Well, I guess last week wasn't a section of the catechism, but I, there is a section of the catechism. It's in the introduction to part three of the catechism, which is about life in Christ. And it gives a little summary of some aspects, I think a nice summary of, of what that is composed of, what life in Christ is composed of, if we're thinking about you know learning and implementing it. Um, but before we get to that, you know, I just wanted to, again, recap, we can do it together here, Ken, a little bit of what we were talking about last week. Again, we, we looked at last week um, uh, a bit of Lumen Gentium, which is the church's dogmatic constitution. It was one of the principal documents uh, from Vatican II. It was promulgated by Pope Paul VI in 1964. Uh, and we looked at a passage in Lumen Gentium uh, where the church is describing how all Christians have this common call to be holy as the Heavenly Father is holy. Um, in that section, it's talking about how, again, this is not the job of the priests or the clergy or the wise people or the hermits. This is the job of all Christians. And we discussed, Ken, how, you know, coming from our perspective here as Catholics uh, in this apostolate, the Coming Home Network, it's not just Catholics. It's not just Christians with whom we're in imperfect communion. But even beyond that, all humans have this vocation, which is why we evangelize, because all of us need to go deeper into that uh, relationship with Christ. We're all called to the fullness of the Christian life and the perfection of charity. Go ahead. Provided that we've all been created by God, yeah. and then we've all been created in the image and likeness of God. Um, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need to be remolded back into the image in which we were created, which is which it turns out is the image of God, which is the image of Christ, because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So, right. so holiness is for everyone. That's what we talked about. Mm -hmm. And holiness is essentially becoming like Christ, being transformed inside, um, from the inside, back into the image in which we were created. Right. 
Yeah, it's the it's the holding on to and completing uh, the gift that was given, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all a gift of grace. We we emphasized that last time because we we certainly want to make sure that we're we're on the same page with perhaps uh, members of the audience here who are not non-Catholic Christians, evangelicals, or others. We're not talking about works righteousness here. We're not talking about earning salvation. We're talking about cooperating with God's grace. He has he has given us this gift of grace, but now he asks things of us. Mm-hmm. He gives us sacraments. He gives us things we need to do in our lives. Uh, and so this is, uh, the, the Christian life is a yes to that and a working that out. Um, we also talked, you know, just to, to finish the recap, we talked a little bit about how in the context of the Coming Home Network, you know, we're trying to strike a, a, an authentic ecumenical balance here, if you will. On the one hand, we do believe that the, the Catholic Church is the one holy Catholic apostolic church that Christ founded. We want to share that. We want to in- invite people to consider that, and we want to help those who are considering becoming Catholic. But on the other hand, you know, we want to affirm our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, baptized Christians especially here, um, that this call to be holy, this call to follow Christ, is something we all share. And even though we're in imperfect communion, the way we get closer to full communion, the way that we get closer to healing and reunion, to whatever Christ, uh, whatever timeline Christ has in mind for that, the way that we do that is being faithful here and now today to um, Yes, amen. To walk you know, with Christ. If Christ is the goal, then the yeah. closer we grow toward Christ, uh, the closer we will be growing toward one another, right. uh, the closer we'll be coming to one another. Yeah, it's that old triangle image of the marriage, right? You know, the two yeah, yeah. two spouses closer to Christ, closer they are to each other. Same same principle at work here. There are also some difficulties that we didn't mention last week, but I know you want to kind of talk about them a little bit today. Uh, just some of the basic difficulties involved in making the gospel practical, especially yeah. today. Yeah, there, there's that old uh, saying or or the, the quip, the question that Christians sometimes ask of themselves or others. You know, if someone looked at your life, could they convict you? For being a Christian mm-hmm. is the evidence there, you know, and, and obviously we, we know it's so easy to hear the gospel and to to believe it uh, in in a certain way, um, to, to like it, to love it, but the a big part of the difficulty then goes about in looking back at our lives and saying, okay, Lord, I in theory I'm offering my life to you, I'm submitting my life to you, but how does it begin to look different? And it's also difficult. I mean, another part of the difficulty too is that we are. We are embodied creatures. We live in time. So in a moment of passion, uh, we can't necessarily turn over our whole life. We can't change our habits. We can't change our, 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 can't change our bad habits. We can't build good habits. We can't necessarily practically reform our life overnight, even if we experience a miraculous conversion. We, we continue to live. We continue to face new challenges. We continue to, to find new hurdles, new opportunities. So day to day, we have to be constantly, you know, resetting our course toward Christ and and making decisions about how to to conform our life to an imitation of Christ. You know, another aspect of this, Ken, is that even though we may have, you know, implemented, you know, our Christian life in some aspects of our mm-hmm. life, there's this tendency to compartmentalize it, you know, to have certain areas of my life that are consciously connected to my faith, but mm-hmm. but then have other areas where we kind of hold them back, we keep them to ourselves, right? That's completely typical. In fact, uh, you know, the, I, I think that this is where learning to practice the presence of God becomes so important because, yeah, it's easy, you know, okay, here's my time I'm praying, here's my time I'm reading a spiritual book or I'm reading some of the Bible. And then now here's my time to work, and we just go into a completely different mindset. That's something that 
I think the only way in my life that that can be overcome is by me putting some kind of plan of life in order yeah. where I'm uh, doing things that will help me to live in the presence of God all the time. Yeah, your schedule, your routine, um, it, it's easy to kind of mold, you know, to give the faith a place in our life, but beyond that, by and large, still to have a schedule and a routine and a lifestyle that looks largely like everyone around us, our neighbors, the, the rest of the culture. Um, uh, and even if that's the starting point, the goal, the trajectory should be looking at all those aspects of my life and asking, yeah, how, how is my schedule, my work, my priorities? How do those all begin uh, to, to conform more to a life where Christ really is the center? Yeah. And when I think of the difficulties, you know, you mentioned the compartmentalization of our faith into certain mm -hmm. segments or certain parts of the week or something. Yeah. And then there's also the distractions that we have so much. You know, and you know, I'm like every one of us, you know, who feels like taking his smartphone and flushing it down the toilet about once a week. <laughs> yeah, when we're so distracted by online, you know, for instance, social media, all the different things, um, that we can hear God's word and then we can just walk out of the room and not do it because our minds are just fixed in other ways. Right. And so, here's one way that really helps me. Um, I think of things like prayer and, um, you know, a plan of life, having times for reading scripture, for prayer and whatnot. I think of this as like the scaffolding. You know, when you see someone who uh, wants to paint, let's say, a two or three story building, right. if you want to paint the building, then they have to construct this massive scaffolding ar around the building so that they can climb up and they can walk around and they can paint every yeah. square inch of it. Well, if I want my life painted with the presence of God, then I've got to I've got to erect some kind of scaffolding around it, and that's why it's real really important for me. My goal is to is to begin each day with some prayer, with some reading, but then also carry that into my work. And so I try to train myself to pray about the person behind every email I send um, or every phone call that I make, and then to stop it at noon to pray the Angelus. And then uh, go on with work doing the same. And then after work, go make a visit, you know, uh, to the Blessed Sacrament. You know, in other words, to try and scatter these things out throughout the day, Yeah. you know, um, so that what it looks like to me is a scaffolding of prayer that I've built around my life that will right. help help train me to be in God's presence all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Scaffolding of prayer and discernment. It's hard to discern, you know, what your life, how your life is going, what needs mm -hmm. changed, what's working, what's not working, unless there's this regularity. And our Lord has given us days and weeks and months and years, you know, these regular patterns. And so to use that, use that regularity. I think the, the two practical points for this episode, one is that in the context of the difficulty of translating, you know, our, our gospel uh, belief, our, our faith in Christ into a life that's transformed, a life that's changed. I think the first piece of it is just recognizing that we have to uh, be prudent. It says in, in Proverbs that the prudent man looks ahead. The prudent man makes a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, so we we need to have a plan. It may not be a, a perfect plan. It's probably going to change a lot. But but if we don't have a, a plan for, um, you know, the basic uh, uh, routine and pattern of my life, we need to start by making one. Start today. Put it on paper. Put it uh, put it down on a a piece of notebook mm -hmm. paper. And then we need to continue to to go deep in scripture, to go to understand more deeply what it looks like uh, to live a life in Christ. And then we've got that scaffolding to begin to plug things in, try things out. So mm -hmm. that's the sec that's the second part of this today is that the 
in this section of the Catechism that I referenced earlier, it's the introduction to part three, Life in Christ, um, the Catechism gives us a, a nice little list of some aspects of this, that if we're, if we're wanting to, to learn about what it means to live a life in Christ, that here are some of the aspects. And so um, I just wanted to read, let me just read a couple sections that lead up to that, and then I'll, I'll begin into that list, uh, and then we'll talk about them bit by bit. Okay. okay? So uh, beginning at the very beginning of this introduction of part three, it, it says, Christian, Recognize your dignity, and now that you share in God's own nature, do not return to your former base condition by sinning. Remember who is your head, and of whose body you are a member. Never forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of the kingdom of God. The symbol of the faith confesses the greatness of God's gifts to man in his work of creation, and even more in redemption and sanctification. What faith confesses, the sacraments communicate. By the sacraments of rebirth, Christians have become children of God, partakers of the divine nature. Coming to see in the faith their new dignity, Christians are called to lead henceforth a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. They are made capable of doing so by the grace of Christ and the gifts of his spirit, which they receive through the sacraments and through prayer. Christ Jesus always did what was pleasing to the Father and always lived in perfect communion with him. Likewise, Christ's disciples are invited to live in the sight of the Father, who sees in secret in order to become perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So that's just a beautiful section there talking about, <laughs> about this calling again, building on last week. So with that in mind, let me start into this list and I'll just, I'll just read first um, the, the topics and then I'll actually read the text. So this list is the a catechesis in of a catechesis on life in Christ. So we're learning here uh, covering this topic uh, must involve the Holy Spirit, learning about our relationship with the Holy Spirit, uh, a catechesis of grace, a catechesis on the Beatitudes, a catechesis on sin and forgiveness, a catechesis on the human uh, or cardinal virtues, the theological virtues, and then a catechesis about the nature of the church. Okay. So let me go to that first one and then we can talk about it a bit, Ken. So uh, the catechism states, uh, catechesis for the newness of life in Christ should be a catechesis of the Holy Spirit, the interior master of life according to Christ, a gentle guest and friend who inspires, guides, corrects, and strengthens this life. When I hear that passage that you just read, yeah. my mind immediately goes to one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and I I wind up quoting it constantly and using it in lessons that I teach. And it's from Ezekiel chapter 36, yeah. where God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. He's looking forward to the new covenant that he's going to make, which, as we know, is the new covenant that our Lord made on the night of his, uh, the night that his passion began, um, the covenant that he made in his body and his blood. And this is what the Lord says through Ezekiel. This is in chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your impurities, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take out your your I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone, <laughs> this hard heart that we have that makes that that is so so unwilling to be conformed back to the image of Christ. Yeah. I will take out this heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes 
and be careful to observe my ordinances. Now, the passage you just read didn't it say something about a gentle friend, you know, um, the yes. Holy Spirit. Yeah. The thing that the thing that jumps out at me first of all on this, um, John Mark, is that it is so typical for non-Catholics to think that Catholicism is all about, you know, just you know, like picking yourself up by your own bootstraps. Just some, you know, churning up the energy to work really hard and earn good things from God by being a holy person and doing good works. And that's not it at all. And notice that when the catechism that you're beginning to read here, when it wants to talk about life in Christ and what it means, it doesn't start with, you know, screw up your courage and, you know, and get work going. Work hard, yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it starts with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so... It's all about grace again, which is the second one we're going to get to. But yeah, but 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 I love that passage from Ezekiel. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways, and be careful to observe my ordinances. It's God's life, divine life in me, um, as you know, as this gentle friend. You know, that's saying it in a very uh, kind of soft way. You know, yeah. And Ezekiel's saying it a little bit stronger when he says. The spirit I'll put within you and cause you, you know, right, drive right. you in the direction of holiness. So anyway, yeah. I love the fact that it starts with that. Yeah, me too. I, I for a number of reasons, you know, I again I think this whole list that we're gonna read through here and, and talk through, it gives us a good examination of conscience, a really good examination um of our of our life as we move forward in this in the show, Deep in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can look at these aspects and say, okay, well, I may be pretty strong in my understanding of this one, but maybe I haven't even even touch this other one. I think the Holy Spirit, that that depending on the strain of Christianity that you're a part of, or even, you know, for us as Catholics, depending on the 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 charisms of the church that you've been exposed to, the different communities you may have worshipped mm-hmm. with, you may or may not really know much about or have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it seems like that's an important thing for all of us as Christians to grapple with a little bit, to learn more about, to ask, you know, what does the scripture say about that? What do the lives of the saints teach us about that? Yes. Because Christ, he came, but then he promised to send us the presence of God in our hearts, in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to live in us. Yeah. And it's, well, and it's so easy at times to just think of God. You know, I, I go to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Right. So God is far away. Yeah. Instead of remembering that God, God is in me. Yeah. Not not in a pantheistic way, you know, not because right, you know, I'm reading right. Spinoza or something, but yeah. but because the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit and who will be in you. Yeah. And um and and Ezekiel says here, move you to cause you know, cause you to walk in my ways. And so yeah, that's a beautiful thought in prayer to meditate on the fact that Lord, you are you live within me. Yeah. And so you can go inward to find God. And I again I don't mean that in a new agey sense at all. Right. But we can go inward in a sense to find God, not just thinking outward. Yeah, yeah, in the sense of you're being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned earlier that you know if as we begin to think about our plan of life, the structure of our life, the scaffolding upon which we want to begin to construct the the edifice of a good life. Again, all through grace. You mentioned this notion of practicing the presence of God. Well, uh, what does it mean to practice the presence of God? It doesn't mean that that I have to call God to come to me. Because God's already here. God's omnipresent. It's that I need to bring myself, body and spirit, into a recognition and acknowledgement that he is here. And not only is he here, but that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit through my baptism, that the, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And, and that wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I can attend to God's presence and seek his help. And again, I love the language here. You know, um, 
the Holy Spirit, the, the interior master of life, a gentle guest in, and friend who inspires, guides, corrects, and strengthens us. Yeah, one of my my wife Tina, one of her favorite books has been um, the book about Brother Lawrence practicing mm-hmm. the presence of God or the practice of the presence of God. Right. She's read it a bunch of times, and I read it too a couple of times, and I love it. See, the okay, the thing is, Brother Lawrence, yeah. he was a monk, and um, he viewed himself as being simple-minded. And so his, his attitude was like, oh, I can't learn all these complicated prayers, you know, do the office in the morning and do this then and this that and at three o'clock and this and that. He said, you know, I'll just, I'll just enter the presence of God and never leave. I'll, I'll, I'll just do it in a simple way. You know? right, right. And the thing is, that works beautifully if the work you do is manual work. Yeah, you know, and, and and sometimes I've been so jealous of people who just like build brick walls all day long, <laughs> yeah. because if you're doing a manual job, and I and I find this when I'm out weeding or whatever, mm-hmm. then you can just begin to talk to the Lord, and you could conceivably talk to the Lord straight all day long, and just keep up a, an intense conversation, um, and live consciously in the presence of God all day long. Right. The trick for people who work jobs where you know if you're a brain surgeon. You can pray, but then when you start digging, you know, into the skull, you know, your mind becomes captivated by what you're working on, or if Ho- you're writing. Hopefully, a book I mean, on like, it. hopefully, if it's your brain surgeon, that that's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you're not distracted. But um, you know, if you're writing a book about geometry or something like that, yes. or whatever, if yeah. you have a job that forces your mind to focus on consciously on something other than God, mm-hmm. then you have to find another way. And, and that's why I refer to it as the scaffolding. You have to find yeah. other ways to build this scaffolding that helps you to live as much as possible in the presence of God. Right. And so, anyway, um, Brother Lawrence, uh, you know, his idea was, you know, because he was like washing dishes at the monastery and things like that. Right. His idea was, I'll just start talking to the Lord, and I'll just never stop. Right. And if I ever realize I've forgotten the Lord, then I just very quickly say, "Oh Lord, I'm I'm sorry, I forgot you," and then just start talking again. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's a really a, a beautiful idea. And it's it's not one that I can do very uh, that I can do in the same way he did because my work is very mental. It's a great practice, and I think even for us who don't maybe live the simple lifestyle that Brother Lawrence did, we can take our cue from that practice. Especially again, combined with this 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 yeah. idea of uh, beginning to get to know and acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit, that the more we practice this in specific, concrete aspects of our life the more that hopefully it follows us into all aspects as we go. But I, yes. I, want, I want to put a pin in this this one for now, because again, our goal today is just to kind of give an overview of this list, to discuss it a little bit, again, as two, two Christians okay. uh, thinking through this. Uh, the idea being that um, throughout the course of this show, we're going to have a variety of studies more in-depth about all these topics. Again, the virtues, the Holy Spirit, prayer. We can go deeper in all those topics. Today, we're just going to think about them in terms of a list, in terms of... Um, their general Overview. significance, yeah. yeah. How, do we, how do we? How do we? Can we begin today to begin to fill up that scaffolding and maybe notice the areas that we're lacking? So the first one was the catechesis on the Holy Spirit. The second is a catechesis of grace, for it is by grace that we are saved, and again, it is by grace that our works can bear fruit for eternal life. And I, I like that this one comes yeah. next. You I mean you said it a little bit earlier, uh, Ken, that this this. Right from the start, it makes sure that as we begin down this path, we begin to try to make changes, to do things, to 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 uh, conform our life to imitation of Christ, mm-hmm. that we don't lose hold of the presence of God and our need for grace and a reliance on, on His inspiration, His grace, His strength to bring about the fruit, right? And just a reminder that that, that, that is the priority too, because again, yeah. I as I, since I was a 
an evangelical Protestant for 20 years, you know, and I know how uh, many Protestants think about the Catholic faith and talk about it. And so I just want to send out that reminder that, that in our catechism, the catechism of the Catholic faith, when it comes to talking about life in Christ, I think it's significant that the first two points are the Holy Spirit's presence within us and our reliance, our need to be reliant on grace, you know, that it's God's grace functioning, operating in us that brings about any fruit that uh, that exists and will exist. And there's a there's one verse that I love on this too, and it's 2 Peter 1, 3, which says, where Peter says, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And and I, I remind myself of that often. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is within me, and God has given me everything I need to be remolded back into his image. Yeah. It's there. He, he, he's given it to me. Yeah, it That's seems... not the question. It's not a matter of God, right. please give me what I need. Um, the, the problem is in my corresponding to it and, uh, and living it out. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it strikes me that part of the catechesis of this as well, and I, I really love what you said there, Ken. I think a part of this catechesis, if we're thinking of, like, if we're using this list to teach our children, for instance, I think a part of this bullet point is teaching teaching well, teaching properly about the nature of the God that we serve. You know, mm-hmm. that, that it's all from grace, that God is, is all provident, that, you know, the reason that we can proceed forward with confidence as Christians and even make the sacrifices that are necessary— uh, even you know, press on through danger or or discouragement, be- is because we 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 have faith in a God who is provident, who's who's powerful, who's all knowing. You know, one of my yes. favorite you know life verses, so to speak, is Proverbs th- three, five, and six, which is, you know gives us a simple equation, one of the many simple equations in the Bible for how how to live your life. The promises that God makes: trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. You know, in all our ways, we need to acknowledge God's grace, God's providence. You know, we our, our contribution is simply to be faithful in this next step. The rest of it, he's got figured out. It's just the next step and the next step. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so we've got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We've got grace. Got What's grace. the third one? The third is a catechesis of the Beatitudes. For the way of Christ is summed up in the Beatitudes, the only path that leads to the eternal Beatitude for which the human heart longs. So the Lord gives me the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Lord gives me his grace to build on. And then he gives me a vision of what it's like in the Beatitudes, which I can't quote from memory, but, you know, blessed are the pure in heart. Right. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, it goes on and on. So, so it's kind of giving us an image there, huh? The yeah. way of Christ, an image of it. That's how I thought of it as well. Yeah, we, we come to know the person of Christ in Scripture, but then he gives us this beautiful picture of, you know, what if we proceed along this path, what we're proceeding toward is these these perfections, these beatitudes, these ways mm-hmm. of being. Um, and this this topic in particular, you know, my, my dad, my, uh, Marcus Grodi, who founded this apostolate, he's got a great talk on this, a great, he's done some writing on it, and he and I will probably do a series before too long here digging into the beatitudes more deeply. But I think I, I too receive this bullet point in the same, that uh, this is a catechesis on Christ and his example, but but in more particularly, what he tells us, this vision he gives us of of the, the happy man, the blessed man who follows follows the Lord and allows himself to be conformed. This is what it looks like. It's a sort of an image, like a painting right there, you know, to be 
to be poor in spirit, to realize our emptiness and our need, then to 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 hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, go, right. I don't want to go into the details, but yeah, yeah, it's a that's the best way to look at it. Though the beatitudes are sort of like, okay, now I've I've told you that it's the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah, I've told you it's all about grace. Now let me give you just a snapshot. Here's what it looks like. Yeah, and I guess one of the things I would Christ. one of the thing I would say about the beatitudes, and this is drawing again from from stuff I've learned from my father in, in his presentations of the Beatitudes, and he himself drawing from the early church fathers on this topic, that there's been this tradition in the church that the Beatitudes actually describe the vision, but also a bit of the process, the, the successive mm-hmm. conversions, the successive um, uh, con- stages of conforming to Christ. And so as we get to know the Beatitudes, we recognize that as we proceed along the path of life in Christ, there is these checkpoints, these milestones, these things that will take place mm-hmm in life as a Christian. So, um, next good, good. we have a catechesis of sin and forgiveness. For unless man acknowledges that he is a sinner, he cannot know the truth about himself, which is a condition for acting justly. And without the offer of forgiveness, he would not be able to bear this truth. Yeah, and a passage, that, again, from the Bible that just jumps out, out at me here is from First John chapters 1 and 2, yeah. um, beginning with chapter 2, where I love this. John's writing to his little children in the faith, those that he loves. And and in chapter two, he begins by saying, little children, I write to you so that you will not sin. Okay. Or he he doesn't say that. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I don't want you to sin. This is the, the, the feeling of it. Yeah. You know, my little children, I don't want you to sin. Right. But if you do sin, you know, remember that we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. I'm kind of flipping back to chapter one now. Um, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. And so part of this life in Christ then is to keep deeply in mind our own weakness and the fact that we fall and that we don't want to sin, but that when we do, we have grace. We have a, a fountain of mercy that we can go back to again and again and again. And that's where I just think of Jesus saying to people, take, you know, take up your mat and walk, you know, um, you know, uh, that's something that I have to do basically every single day of my life right. is today I receive the Lord's forgiveness and I take up my mat and walk again. Yeah. Um, just get up and go. Yeah. It seems like the, the theoretical point here in terms of this being a catechesis of sin and forgiveness mm-hmm. is that we have to make sure that, that we ourselves are properly informed, properly formed to understand again that all have sinned, I too have sinned. That's just that's the, the the nature of this life that I'm living is that I I am a sinner. I am in needs of of God's mercy. But then, with that in mind, you know, being properly formed on those those uh, theoretical, catechetical, doctrinal aspects. But then it has to again, as we said at the beginning, this needs to be translated into actual uh, mm-hmm. things in my life. You know, so we're talking about that scaffolding. Does my day involve a plan and then an examination of conscience? Am I, is it a regular part of my life to look back and ask humbly, honestly, Lord, in what ways have I fallen short of the glory of God? And then to ask forgiveness. And then, I mean, and this this gets a bit more uh, close and personal to the coming of network. Am I taking advantage of what of the ways that God has chosen to communicate that grace, that mercy? You know, we want to propose as Catholics that that Christ did intend for us to have this sacrament of confession or reconciliation where, you know, through the, through the means of another person, through his consecrated priest, we can hear the words of Christ 
you are forgiven. We can receive a blessing. We can receive an anointing. Um, we, we, can, we can go through the act of humility of saying that to another human being. We believe that that was something Christ uh, intended and instantiated in his apostles. Again, Ken will probably deal with the apologetics more over on his channel at some point, you know, or elsewhere on the Coming Home Network website. We've got resources on that. For here, just consider it. Like Part of our life in Christ is to not just in, in theory accept that we are sinners and we need God, God's mercy, but then we need to proceed to do what he told us to do about that. You know, we need to take yeah. to receive from him his mercy in the ways he intended. Yeah. And if I could add a point that even sure. goes um, behind whether or not confession to a priest exists and whether sure. it's right and all that, which we do believe. Yes. Um, um, as an evangelical, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I was taught and that is common is that at the moment I first believed in Christ, um, Christ's righteousness was legally credited to my account, and I was forgiven at that point for all sins I would ever commit, past, present, and all future sins. And because of that, I remember talking to a friend one time, and she said to me, um, she said, you know, I, you know it, it, it really bothers me, um, churches where they confess sins in church, you know, like where you have a, a general confession of sin, which which takes place in the Lutheran Church still, and 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 other higher Protestant churches, Anglican, and also in in the Catholic Church, where in Mass we say, you know, um, you know, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brother. You know, we have a general confession of sin. She said, I hate the whole idea of Christians making a general confession of sin because she said it feels like we're just slapping God in the face because we're not remembering that He forgave us for all our sins way back at the very first moment we believed in him. Right. So there was this feeling that it wasn't really necessary as an ongoing part of your Christian life. It was necessary to acknowledge your sins because you know you, you want to be truthful about who you are before God, but it wasn't really necessary to get forgiveness, to receive forgiveness because uh, God had already forgiven you way back at the beginning. You know, And so even apart from going uh, you know, into the confessional, the very idea for me, and this has become a, a beautiful idea, the very idea for me that as a part of my ongoing Christian life would be this catechesis of sin and forgiveness, right. receiving forgiveness in real time, going to Christ and receiving forgiveness. And of course, again, this is maybe off the subject, but we do believe that we go directly to the Lord to receive forgiveness for all kinds of things. You know, our belief is that serious sin we need to bring to a confessional. We need to do something more formal about it. But we do go to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness all the time, uh, directly. But to me, even learning that this should be an ongoing part of the Christian life was a little bit of a shocker. Yeah, and so it again, like everything else, it takes practice. So we we learn about it, but then we figure out uh, how to implement it. And again, our proposal here is that the Catholic Church actually has a uh, a wonderful treasury of the sacraments and of of history of, of saints and and Christian men and women um, trying to figure this out, practicing this in their life. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot to learn there. And we're going to explore it. But let's go on to the next bullet point for now. Um, and here is where I think this list, which I think up to this point really has emphasized to the Christian reading it, that we, we start with the presence of the Holy Spirit. We start with the catechesis of God's grace the beatitudes he's calling us to, uh, our need for his mercy. It starts. It, it places all of it starts with him, his grace, his gift. It's really now on this bullet point on the virtues that we get into. Okay, cooperating with God, 
here are the concrete things that we do, the way that we act mm-hmm. in our life to cooperate. So the bullet point is a catechesis on the, uh, of the human virtues, which causes one to grasp the beauty and attraction of the right dispositions toward goodness. This is one of my favorite topics, Ken, as, as listeners or watchers will, will find out in the coming weeks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about the virtues for a number of reasons. Um, one is because I think that they, they do describe, in, in terms that may be unfamiliar to us, our modern ears, but they do describe an essential aspect of the life in Christ, how this, how this information, how our belief, how our faith gets instantiated in our decisions, in the way we structure our life, in what we do and how we, how we choose. But I'm also really excited about the the cardinal virtues. The human virtues are also called the cardinal virtues, because um, really over the course of, of of Western thought of Christian history, there was an amazing this this thought was developed very very sophisticatedly. You know, Aquinas and others in the Middle Ages really had a science of virtue and vice, and really understanding ourselves as as spiritual and, and embodied persons. And the virtues and the vices describe this meeting point between what we believe, what we know, and the actual decisions, you know, and the, and the, the interaction of our will, our intellect guiding our will, and our will guiding our passions, the way that all works out. The virtues are a study on how that works, but then again, also a practical implementation. The four cardinal virtues are, and we'll, again, we'll discuss these down the road, prudence, justice, fortitude, or courage, and temperance. Um, and again, they describe aspects of how we as human persons, how we flourish, how we make decisions, how we encounter challenges externally and internally. Um, and, and there's just a lot there. And it's a, it's a topic that I'm really excited to, to break open more on this show. Yeah. And it's an important one. You, you know, in reading Aristotle, because he's the one who talked about these two and Aquinas right. comes back to Aristotle. But, right. you know, Aristotle worked to define these four cardinal virtues. You're talking about prudence, justice. Um, fortitude and temperance, or temperance and fortitude, yeah. fortitude, basically courage. Right. And and he focused on the fact that these are the uh, virtues we need to to live a good human life, you know, uh, to live a life that will be happy and fulfilled as human beings. And he focused on the idea of building these virtues through habit, um, through the practice of them. And so this is something as well that I didn't think much about before becoming a Catholic, because, you know, Catholicism does delve into these philosophical kinds of ways of looking at things more Mm. than, uh, than evangelicalism tends to. But this is where I got to say, John Mark, this is where I was kind of bummed out personally. And I I describe myself often as someone who has no human virtues. (laughs) I said, (laughs) you're meeting someone who has no human virtues. And I can see that it's based in habit too. I was raised in a very chaotic home. Um, my parents were divorced when I was really young, and it was a, it was just a bad situation. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of anger. It was just a, it, you know, and my mother, as much as she tried um, to discipline me and my brother and sister and to raise us with virtue, you know, yeah. she was, it, it was above her head. She couldn't handle it. And so, so, so John Mark, I grew up in a house where the yeah. grass was like, you know, looked more like weeds and it was like three feet high. <laughs> I grew up in a home where my brother and I, with our BB gun, were, were blowing out the windows of our own garage for fun. And, uh, you know, where, where my mom, in order to try and discipline me, would have to chase me through the house with her shoe, yeah. you know, and I'd jump on the bed and stick my feet up and just block her blows. And I grew up, all that to say that I look back and I realize I grew up without 
these human virtues having been practiced in my life yeah. and, and, and growing. Right. You know, very little prudence, very little sense of justice. You know, I would, I was a shoplifter. I would rob my, my best friend if I could when I was a kid. Right. Uh, very little temperance and very little for, uh, fortitude. And so it's like a starting from zero. But anyway, well, I, th- that's my that, story of the human virtues in my life. Well, don't be bummed out. I think you're you're quite a virtuous <laughs> man. I want to read the next bullet point, but then comment on what you said. Sure. The, the next bullet point after this bullet point on the human virtues, it writes, uh, Catechesis of the Christian virtues of faith, hope, and charity, generously inspired by the example of the saints. When we begin talking about virtues, again, this, this goes back to me a little bit too, uh, given what you were saying as well, back to the catechesis on the Beatitudes. If we think about what the Beatitudes, the vision they're giving us of us, one thing that we, we recognize about them is that they're also a very human vision. They're a vision of what it looks like, not necessarily for an angel to grow in holiness, but for a human being to grow in holiness. I mean, it talks about purity of heart, hungering and thirsting, sacrifice, experiencing suffering, you know, um, is a picture of what it looks like for someone to be a saint, someone who over the course of their life allows Christ to transform them into this vision, you know, which will be unique in their life, you know, but it's a very human vision. So it, it's not a vision that can ever leave out our, our humanness, our body, our habits, our passions, all that is right. to be right. formed and, and submitted and um, trans, uh, what word do I want to use here? fulfilled, you know, in this life in Christ. And so, um, we, it's necessary to turn to the virtues to understand, again, how, how do we take practical steps? How do we make decisions? Because, um, this, this vision of the Beatitudes involves, uh, it's not some ethereal spiritual process. We don't sit in the lotus position in the corner and just have all this happen in our head. No, this is in our life. Our life is to be the canvas on which we we paint this picture. God paints this picture. Now, the significance... So the, what ahead, you're referring to is the theological virtues. What would those be? Yeah, so the significance of, of these two sets of virtues, you know, the, the human or cardinal virtues describe the ways in which, I mean, all, all human beings, even if they don't consciously know the gospel, they recognize, you know, the need in prudence to make right decisions, the, the justice of giving to other his due. I'm giving the, the elevator pitch uh, definitions of the virtues here. The, the need in, with courage to, if we recognize the right thing to do, but it's difficult, we, we have to do it, and that's this movement of courage. All humans can recognize intuitively the necessity of temperance, that we have these desires, we have passions, they're for good things, but if left to their own, if they're untempered, like a, a team of horses, they can run amok and cause destruction. They have to be tempered and ordered toward the good. Mm-hmm. All humans can recognize that and practice those to some degree. But then as Christians, with we, we recognize, again, the, the catechesis on grace, the catechesis of the Holy Spirit, that we are always, um, God is always near us. He created us. He's always um, wanting to give us grace. He always wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And so the human virtues at, for Christians, we recognize that that our gr- the grace to be able to practice them, that comes from um, God's presence, God's life. You know, but then as we consciously engage the faith, we receive the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, these, these uniquely Christian theological virtues, gifts from God, that then the Christian is able to go much farther in the human virtues. You know, prudence and justice, fortitude and temperance, they look 
so much more majestic and magnanimous um, when they're animated fully, consciously, by cooperation with, with the Holy Spirit. And again, we see this in the lives of the saints. They were certainly had the human virtues, but they were transcended and fulfilled, transfigured, I think it may be a, the best word here, by the mm-hmm. life of grace. Yeah, that's where you hear this phrase often within Catholicism that I never heard before, right. that grace builds on nature. Yes, or that, that's a good You know, point. our nature yeah. is perfected by grace. And I guess that's what I was getting at. Of course, I exaggerate it when I say I yeah. have no human virtues. Sure, sure, you know, sure. I'm exaggerating for effect. <laughs> yeah. But, but the point is, or are that, you that, that, that grace does okay. build on, on nature, mm-hmm. and, and that's why it's so important to raise children, for instance, with the with the cardinal virtues in mind. Yeah. That you want to train them to be temperate. You know, to not just let themselves just fall to every desire that they have to be temperate. You want to be training them to be courageous, to be able to stand up against things that are difficult for them and to follow through. Right. Train them in justice, the human virtue, to give people their due, as you said. Train them in prudence to make right decisions, yeah. because this will be the kind of person that you add to that grace, right. you know, the, spirit, the, the theological virtues of them ha- coming to have faith in Christ yeah. and hope in Him and love given by the Holy Spirit— then this can be a, a person that fully flowers. That's where you get your saint, you know, your right. saints. And But that doesn't mean that God can't come to someone who uh, was raised without any of the cardinal virtues and is just right. sort of a mess on a human level yeah. and turn them into a saint. God right. can do that. But grace builds on nature. And so it, it, what it emphasizes to me is the importance of building on the natural virtues yeah. So that grace can be what what makes them fully flower. Yeah, yeah. We recognize that at any point in our life, even if we've never heard these terms before, as we dig into them, you know, you'll recognize that. Again, we all understand these intuitively. We understand mm-hmm. the need to kind of wake up to reality and make good decisions, make intentional decisions. That's prudence, and same with the other virtues. For the Christian, for the Christian, the 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 suggestion here, the exhortation uh, to have a catechesis on the human virtues. And then, obviously, to practice them is that you know our, the part we play here is to to um, to build good habits to bas- basically make ourselves fertile soil for mm-hmm. the theological virtues. You know, if I am um, if you know if I if if I go through life uh, recklessly and thoughtlessly, if I don't practice uh, being aware of and doing justice, if I if I have no courage, I've never done a hard thing in my life. I've never challenged myself. If I if I am completely addicted to every whim of my passions, then I I I'm a pretty a pretty dull tool for the Lord to use. Now he can he can work miracles, but again, when but the Lord case, offers us, he calls us to to make uh, choices, to make decisions, to do things. And yeah. so the, the virtues describe what it looks like when we're trying to form ourselves as humans to be open to God. Yeah, and, and as you said, God can work miracles, but sure. the point is, in that case, he'd have to. Right. You know, you know, if I if I'm raised in such a way, or if I grow up in such a way that I never face a difficult thing and follow through, right. it's not like the second I become a Christian that I'm going to start facing hard things and following through. Right. Yeah. The scripture, again, an honest reading of scripture, we see constantly that, you know, we're exhorted to to run the race, to strive toward the goal, to yeah. make good decisions, all that stuff, you know, which we'll, again, we'll dig into more as we go. The next bullet point here uh, is a catechesis of the twofold commandment of charity set forth in the Decalogue. Um, and so we, you know, all this comes together um, and is summed up in these in these great commandments. 
the twofold command of charity, loving God and loving neighbor. Um, and I think this gets back a, a bit to the vision that the Beatitudes give us of this relationship we're called to with the Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, God is love and we're invited cooperating with God in our lives to that relationship of love, this charity, you know, the, the greatest of the card, the greatest of the theological virtues there, this mm-hmm. charity, this love is where this all is oriented toward. That's where this train is going. Yeah. And so I, I like to just list them before you jump onto the last sure. one that, sure. that learning the life of Christ, then learning to live in Christ involves a, a, a catechesis, meaning being taught, being trained. Right. You know, a catechesis of the Holy Spirit, yeah. a catechesis of grace, a catechesis of the Beatitudes, a catechesis of sin and forgiveness, a catechesis of the human virtues, mm-hmm. and then built upon by a catechesis of the Christian virtues of faith, hope, and love, Right. which you can summarize basically as a catechesis of the commandment set forth in the Decalogue, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Yeah, and what's interesting about the list so far, and we have one bullet point left here, but while we've we've highlighted Catholic aspects of, of all these points, how we see them as Catholics, you and I can, and again, as the Coming Home Network here, what we're, the ways we're proposing them, I mean, hopefully still, if, if we're... They apply to everyone. Uh, yeah, hopefully if our fellow Christians would be pretty much on board with all the lists so far, mm-hmm. you know, that, that about what the life in Christ looks like, you know, uh, about the, the grace and the need for mercy and the Beatitudes. Hopefully we're all on, on board. The final point here uh, is an, ecle- an ecclesial catechesis, for it is through the manifold exchanges of spiritual goods in the communion of saints that Christian life can grow, develop, and be communicated. And I, you know, I'd argue here that this, this may be the, the point of difference, but I would, I would ask you, I would exhort you as a fellow Christian to consider this as we go, that this is also a point of real opportunity. You know, that we all, if we, we in being committed to devotion to Christ and holy, holiness and whatever he wants to give us, consider the possibility that there is a fullness of the Christian life that, that none of us yet take fully advantage of, that he did establish a church. He gave us sacraments. He gave us means. He gave us a, a body, a family to be a visible part of in order for us to, to live this life in Christ. And that it's an important thing. We believe that's an important thing. And so uh, engaging in that catechesis as well. Yeah, And even here, we're not, uh, as Catholics, we're not bringing in something entirely different because as an evangelical, you know, uh, I, I like that this point comes last. Yeah. But as an evangelical, I had my own version and that I would say, okay, I've got the Holy Spirit, I got grace, I got all these things. Sure. And then finally, I need the fellowship of Christians, others. Right. Right. I need others to be praying for me. I yeah. need others to be teaching me, helping me work through my thoughts, to helping me live this life in Christ. And so yeah. there's an evangelical version of communion of sure. saints, sure. and there's an evangelical version of the need for the church. It's just yeah. that, I mean, you know, Catholicism, where it is simply... Uh, saying that there's more, you know, we right. believe that there is more. Yeah. But even there, there's agreement on the basic idea. Right, right. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty great list there. You know, again, I think it it's a helpful place to start in this this study, this mm-hmm. discussion on the show Deep in Christ, you know, for us to carry with us and, and be examining our life and saying, you know, in one of these areas, do I need to learn more? Do I need to, to think and pray about more? But also in which of these areas do I need to 
actually take more action in my life, to make changes, to prioritize, to put that, to fit that somewhere in the scaffolding so that over time I'm, I'm bringing my life into line with Christ. I wanted to read one yeah. more little bit because this comes directly after this list. And um, this is how the, the catechism concludes this, this small section, uh, this introduction to part three of the catechism. The catechism reads, the first and last point of reference of this catechesis will always be Jesus Christ himself, who is the way and the truth and the life. It is by looking to him in faith that Christ's faithful can hope that he himself fulfills his promises in them, and that by loving him with the same love with which he has loved them, they may perform works in keeping with their dignity. I ask you to consider that our Lord Jesus Christ is your true head and that you are one of his members. He belongs to you as the head belongs to its members. All that is his is yours, his spirit, his heart, his body and soul, and all his faculties. You must make use of all these as of your own to serve, praise, love, and glorify God. You belong to him as members belong to their head. And so he longs for you to use all that he is in you as if it were his own for the service and glory of the Father. For to me, to live is Christ. So it and all comes back thing, to, to Christ. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the thing that just jumps out at me from that, yeah. John Mark, is, like, well, the, the word organic, you know, is popping into my mind. That this Christian life, it, it's not about a checklist right. or, you know, checking boxes. It's not about, it, it, it's certainly not about, you know, uh, mindless rituals or anything like that. I mean, listen to that passage. It's all about, you know, I belong to Christ as my head and is encouraging me to, to believe that everything Jesus has is mine and to be accepted and to be brought into my life and to flow out of my life. It, it's, it's all organic images, like a living, living being. And that's how, that's how the New Te Testament describes our relationship to Christ. Yeah. And um, th that's the bottom line. Right, right. Yeah, well, love it. I do, I do too. So, well, thank you, Ken. I really appreciated this discussion, uh, and I hope uh, those listening and watching enjoyed it as well. Again, we we were studying this little bit from part three, the introduction to part three of the life in Christ in the Catechism. I'd encourage you, if you're not familiar with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, pick it up. It's it's surprisingly accessible. It's shot f uh, through with Scripture as well as with, you know, writings of the saints and the, and the early church fathers. It's a really wonderful resource, and we'll be referring to it a lot on this show, Deep in Christ, as we, as we go forward. But also keep this list in mind that we, that we studied today. The Holy Spirit, grace, beatitudes, sin and forgiveness, the human virtues, the Christian virtues, the twofold commandment of charity, as well as a, an ecclesial catechesis, a catechesis about this church, this body that he's given us to be a part of. So, once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. Um, if you're not familiar with the Coming Home Network, please go to www.chnetwork.org. We're a network of people who have embraced full communion with the Catholic Church, and we're here to answer your questions or to walk alongside you if, if that's something you're considering. And for the purposes of this show, again, as fellow Christians, we want to affirm you and say, you know, let's continue to walk this call to holiness together uh, as we work out these questions. And so, um, you know, like and subscribe and follow us and um, <laughs> we'll see you again next week. God bless.